Well, good evening, church. Welcome to our Wednesday night refresh again as we're working through Mark's gospel, close-ups of Jesus through the lens of Mark's gospel, just devotional studies with lessons for our lives. We're up to the second chapter, well into it now. And here's the topic for tonight. It gets a lot of, uh, a lot of different opinion, viewpoint, questions. I want to talk to you about Jesus, the Sabbath, and your New Testament Christian life. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Mark chapter 2, verse 23. We'll read to chapter 3, verse 6. So this is how it opens up. Confrontations that Jesus had over and over again through Mark's gospel about the Sabbath. So Mark 2, 23. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then these really important words. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And you have this, he, he made the Sabbath. Jesus is speaking this direct claim to divinity. I created the Sabbath, he's telling them. Chapter 3. And he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. There it is again. So that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, so first he speaks to the the man with the withered hand, and then after that man comes right up to Jesus, Jesus looks at the Pharisees. And he said to them, verse 4, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger. Do you ever picture Jesus being angry? He looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of heart. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And the man's hand was restored instantly, miraculously. Everybody saw it. Everybody knew it. Look at this sixth verse of chapter 3. The Pharisees went out, so they leave. They're in a huff. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. What a passage. I mean, nowhere did Jesus have a harder time with the religious leaders of his day than over the subject of the Sabbath. Verses 6 and 7 especially of of chapter 3 make it clear that this is the issue that made them want to kill Jesus. This is what... This is what started it. This is what brought them to the boiling point where they just wanted to destroy him. Sabbath has 
in spite of what you might hear, it has nothing to do with the concept of seven or seventh. The word actually has to do with rest or a cessation of work and activity. The Lord God rested on the Sabbath after the six days of creation. So here's this first point. Jesus with his confrontation again on the Sabbath. Point number two, let's look at briefly what the Bible teaches about the Sabbath day. I think there are some surprising things here. So, A, the principle of the Sabbath day, I think this is important, the principle was demonstrated before the command about the Sabbath day was given. You can see the principle of the Sabbath taught in, it's in Exodus chapter 16, verses 4 and 5. You probably know this story. The children of Israel are complaining they need food. They're hungry. Exodus 16, 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And if you recall the story, they went out and sometimes collected more than they would need for the day and it would get rotten and there'd be maggots in it. And then there's this miracle part. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So, they were to gather twice as much on the sixth day. The miracle is, even though they had gathered twice as much, it wouldn't go bad the next day, like the previous days. It would last, and the idea was they wouldn't go out on the Sabbath. They would gather twice as much, and when they did, it would be preserved. When they honored the Sabbath, everything about the provision of God on their life would be preserved. That's a really important principle. So here's what we see in this passage. The people were to prepare for the Sabbath in advance. You see that in the way they were to go out on the sixth day, get twice as much. They were to organize, they were to organize the rest of their lives so they could properly keep the Sabbath. That's another really important principle. How did they prepare? It wasn't just the idea of uh, laying on the beach and relaxing. That wasn't what the Sabbath was about. They were to use the entire day. They were used to use the entire day to think about the goodness of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, the provision of the Lord. They were to kind of center their lives all over again on the goodness of God. So, so the test with the manna, it would prove... We need to think about this. The test with the man would prove that God would look after the material provision of their lives better when they honored his day than when they tried to secure their lives for themselves not honoring the day. B, here's another lesson here, the diligent keeping of the Sabbath. It was commanded by God. Now you move past this incident in Exodus 14 to the commandment given in 20, Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor, do all your work. But the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's directed in a certain way. A Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the soldier who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, in the New Testament, the day changes from the Sabbath day to the Lord's day, and there's a reason for that. I read the command about the Sabbath from Exodus 20, but if you were to look at the repetition of the Ten Commandments in the book of Deuteronomy, which means second commandment, repeated commandment, if you looked at it there, here's what you would see. The commandment to observe the Sabbath is specifically given with these instructions. They were to take the Sabbath day and remember that God had miraculously delivered them out of Egypt. So they were to use the Sabbath day. They were to turn from their own activities, their own habits and routines, so that they would have one full day to contemplate the fact that they were delivered from a bondage that they could never free themselves from. They couldn't get out on their own. God had supernaturally delivered them. Jesus, in the New Testament, takes the Passover, celebrating that deliverance, and he says, that's what we're doing with the Lord's Supper now. We're remembering the same thing. On the Lord's Day, God's salvation deliverance from our sins. When you think about it, you can see the significance of that fourth commandment about honoring the Sabbath. Even the placement of the commandment is significant because, because it, it tells you something about the importance of the day, the way it's located after the first three commandments, about loving God, about honoring God, about not having any other gods, about not having any idols. So, this Sabbath commandment, this day set apart, is the way the first three commandments are kept. It takes time to get all the idols out of your heart. How do you, how do you hold the idols at bay in your heart in the New Testament? It takes the Lord's day. You can't just wish idols out of your life. Affections aren't reoriented all that easily. There's a bondage to it, and it takes a day it takes a day set apart to celebrate the cross of Christ, just like the deliverance out of Egypt. It takes a full day to ponder that and to have it applied to your heart in a way that, in a way that brings power, the ability to love God, the ability to have affections that get bent out of shape during the week with all sorts of distractions and false priorities. It takes a day to turn those again to the Lord. I'm concerned a little bit because churches across the land tend to meet less and less. One service. Take your pick which one. You can pick your convenient time. And then you're done. You're done for the day. My concern is I think it takes more than that to clear the idols out of our lives. And so there's this day commanded in the old and I think repeated in the new A day of rest, but not just relaxation. It's a rest from the concerns of self. 
It's a rest turning my heart to the concerns of the Creator and my Lord and Redeemer on the Lord's day. It's a day for inventory. It's a day for examination. It's a day for confession of sin, the things we don't think about enough during the week. So my point here is the New Testament's Lord's Day is a fulfillment of the Sabbath in the same way that Jesus and his death on the cross is the fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrificial system. That's the theme of that Deuteronomy text. The Sabbath day is to remember their deliverance. Jesus takes that and directly applies it to what we now call the communion service, the Lord's Supper, the Passover, and the deliverance provided. So the Lord's day is a direct fulfillment of the Old Testament Sabbath. See, here's another lesson. The keeping of the Sabbath was to serve as a sign to all generations. I get that in Exodus 31, 12 to 18. And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So there's, you think, here's what we're thinking about on the Sabbath and the Lord's Day, this sanctifying work of God's Spirit in our lives. Exodus 31, 14, and you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Anyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done. But the seventh is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me, the people of Israel, that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed, and he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So, Keeping this day was a sign of God's authority and God's ownership. Keeping the Lord's day, a, a sign of being redeemed, being delivered, the Lordship of Jesus over our lives. It works the same way today. D, we're to use the Sabbath day to show mercy to those in need. I get that from Isaiah 58. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure. So there's the wrong way to use the Sabbath, doing your pleasure. From doing your pleasure on my holy day. And call the Sabbath a delight and a holy day of the Lord, honorable, if you honor it. Not going about your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly. Then, so there's the result, you shall take delight in the Lord. You'll find joy. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, so here, God promises to bless those who honor the Sabbath. 
So how we honor it is described in those verses 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, where the prophet says, is this not the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and to hide yourself, not to hide yourself from your own flesh? And then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry, satisfy the desire of the afflicted and then Shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday? I, I just see this. Let me just comment here. How important is it in the Old Testament Sabbath, the New Testament Lord's Day, the fulfillment of the Sabbath through Christ? You see in these words from Isaiah, if, if, if the people don't, if the people don't take seriously enough the commands of God, even regarding the Sabbath, God doesn't listen when they call to him, when they cry out. So, so this is where the, the scribes and the Pharisees come in. They, they've got all these rules about the Sabbath and nothing of God in their hearts and lives. And because of this, they couldn't stand the way Jesus came and totally fulfilled God's original intent for his special day. It all points to him. He said, it's mine. It's my day. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And that's why it's all fulfilled in his death, resurrection. And as, as he's ascended, the church immediately sees the connection. And they start immediately on the Lord's day gathering to see the fulfillment of that Old Testament Sabbath. So if I were to recap, I know we covered a lot of stuff. Here, I think, are the permanent principles of the, of the Old Testament Sabbath as it's fulfilled in the New Testament Lord's Day. It's a day to rest from the concerns of self to pursue the concerns of God. It's the worship of God as creator and redeemer. It's a separation from our own activities, distractions, pursuits, and agendas. It's a day for showing mercy it's a day for giving resources to God, 1 Corinthians 16, 1-4. It's to be celebrated with joy. There's to be teaching from the Word, Acts 20, 7-12. A day of fellowship and communion with the body of Christ. So much is at stake. And these are challenging words. I'm, I, 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 I think where we're at now with this whole COVID-19 isolation, rules gradually getting relaxed, but, but regularly, regularly, as, as Sunday comes around, make sure that in your heart, there's, there's, even if we're not gathering at 1000 Gorham Street, make sure that there's a day, there's a day when you, you don't just settle into pruning your shrubs and cutting your grass but to honoring the Lord and blessing his name.
We'll continue Sunday morning working with uh, our, our Philippians text, keeping your joy, the heartfelt theology of an isolated prisoner. I want to talk about, about growing in knowledge and discernment of the Lord. We'll be studying that in the morning. And then Jonah at night, our missionaries will hear from them as well. Let's pray. We recognize in a study like this, it takes more than our good wishes to keep our hearts close to God. I pray that it would just settle on all of our hearts the gift of the Lord's day. The Old Testament picture of turning from self-pursuits and honoring the deliverance the Passover, the deliverance from Egypt, and how that translates in, into Sunday with the greatest gift of all, the redeeming, sanctifying work of the Lord of the Sabbath who gave it toward the end of the Lord's day. Keep our church in your hand and let us continue to grow in you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Stay devoted to the word and love one another.